What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Rod Hot Rod Elkins, drummer for Tyler Childers and the Food Stamps, among many others. Rod was born and raised in Huntington, West Virginia, and has spent his life keeping time and sharing his infectious love for music, but more importantly, his devotion to the song. Rod is fairly new to my radar, and as you know, I've been on tour the last six weeks, and I was recently in Lexington, Kentucky, playing at the venue called The Burl. My good friend Steve from Junk Drummer TV came out to hang, and we of course started talking about Levon Helm, as one does. He mentioned that his buddy, Rod, was the closest living thing to Levon's legendary style, and that his drumming is currently on a top 10 country album by an artist called Tyler Childers, whose tour posters had I'd already seen blasted all over the walls on the green room uh, at the Burl. So I immediately checked him out, and damn, Steve was right. So I got Rod on the show, and I loved all of his picks and loved his reasonings even more. Um, this was a really this was a really relaxing chat, and Rad and Rod, Rad Rod has a great perspective on all things music. I hope you enjoy the top five records that shaped Rod Elkins into the drummer he is today. Cheers. drummer for the first time what are the initial characteristics that tell you if you dig their playing like do you have a criteria whether it's subconscious or not that you're like i want to go down their rabbit hole of of what they do yeah uh, i think initially just with you asking it the first thing i think of is how it makes me feel you know like personally i'm like oh cool i love that or like what is that you know, whether it's like a question mark or an exclamation point, I'm thinking, you know, um, yeah, man, just the feel of it. You know, is it helping along the song in an emotional way? Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard to maybe see or accept if you're listening to me say that right now, but it's that's the best I got. <laughs> Sometimes a very succinct answer is all you need. It means you don't have a cluttered mind when it comes to that. So Yeah, yeah. And then speaking of your grooves, uh, you have said semi-recently that you, one of your, well, your main focuses right now are that timing is good yeah. and that your groove feels good, which is kind of yeah. echoing what you just said. And I think dynamics are a huge factor in this. And so I asked Ash Sohn about a year ago when he was on the podcast and he had a fun answer. So I want to ask you, dynamics versus timing. If you could focus on one without allowing the other to atrophy, what do you think is more important to a groove feeling good, the dynamics or the timing of it? I think the timing Okay. right off the bat because I feel like you're going to notice that first if mm-hmm. something's wonky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know if you do it, but like you ever learn a song or start to 
the first couple run throughs, there's just no dynamics whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like kind of all you're thinking about's the timing. Yeah, and like I got, I can't throw anybody off, or you know, like I like this part I just played. Maybe I can manifest that into this other part as well to kind of link them together. But you are just like. It's all up here. <laughs> you know, it's all high sticking. I'm not thinking about how soft I'm playing. It's always the last thing I come to, to be honest. And yeah. I wish it was different, but I think if I had to pick, Bubby, he's got to be in good time first. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I have good dynamics, and then I'm like past the focusing on time, and then I'll watch a video afterwards, and I'm like, everything's oh, yeah. the same volume, you know, so... Um, okay, well, and when it comes to digesting your influences, which is what we're going to talk about today, how do you digest your influences without just merely imitating? Well, I'm not any of those people, first off. I'm in my head about it where I'm trying to imitate them, but there's no way in hell I'm going to mm-hmm. because I'm not them. And sometimes I feel like your best form of imitation is what manifests your sound, almost, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, honestly, I fall in love with my influences, like Levon, or, you know, like James Gadsden. And I've always wanted to, like have the soul, the heart and soul of Levon with the funk of James Gadsden, with the genius parts of Steve Gadd. Amen to that. You know? And if I could be that guy, look out! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I fall in in love with them, and I want to know everything about what they're doing and how they're doing it. But I also have this, like, small little, like, anxious, not really small, it's kind of larger than i think but there's a there's an anxious part of me that's like i'll be sitting there thinking kind of like the imposter syndrome thing that um you know maybe some of us drummers suffer suffer with is that i do think too much about how perfect and good it is and then it like takes a while Mm -hmm. for me to get over that you just keep trying every day that's all you can do, <laughs> especially with my influences. It's like, well, how can I sit down and be more like Levon today? Mm-hmm. You know, like how can I uh, put my soul into the music and make the drums, uh, you know, a more melodic instrument as opposed to just, you know, banging around on them. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he's the embodiment of that. He played it. He played it like like a guitar, like a piano, like a you know, a lot of other melodic instruments. And even if you think about non-linear drumming and hitting things at the same time, you know, that was kind of like his harmony, you know, and add his voice to that. That was also a harmony, another voice in in the instrument that was drummer and drums together. I love you know. that. Yeah, I think for me, if you add Jim Gordon in there as a fourth person, kind of neck and neck with Steve Gadd for me, that's that's also... Nice. Yeah, yeah. I need to go down the Jim Gordon rabbit hole sometime. Yeah, he just has a creativity behind some of his stuff that, um, not that the other three don't, but Jim's a little more all over the place when it comes to what he would bring to a song. And it was always like, man, that is not what I would do uh, in the good way. (laughs) It was always better than what I would do. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I kind of suffer from uh, a little bit of, uh, 
like now I have like a little time and I can sit and practice and do what I want. The same with drummers and like not knowing every drummer right off the bat. It's like I get in my head too much and think about all the things I could be doing mm-hmm. and all the drummers I could be listening to. And then my head kind of starts spinning a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, wait, You're slow among down. friends here, man. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a spinner as well. Believe yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's just listen to this real quick. <laughs> and we'll get to that later. I know. It's, I mean, every week I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, there are definitely a bunch of through lines that a lot of people talk about. Unfortunately, Levon's not talked about enough, but, um, yeah, every week I get off a conversation with someone and I'm like, well, there's two or three more drummers I've never heard of that now I have to, you know, not that I'm complaining about it. It's an amazing, uh, burden, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, Number one, the album is The Band, released years 1969. The artist is, of course, The Band. The song choice is Je- uh, Jemima Surrender, and the drummer is Levon Helm. I mean, that quarter note. I mean, that's just groove, man. Mm -hmm. And then when he takes over singing. He's kind of got this like... When he's doing the quarter notes, he's like poof, patas, poof, patas, poof, like underneath with the kick drum. Something you don't even notice, but the fact that we just said it and I caught it. And the fact that he says they'll bring over my Fender. Instead of like guitar, they just paint the best pictures. Yeah, man. His fills, they're almost like he throws his drums down the stairs. Yeah. But it's, it's like how beautiful a fall is that. (laughs) So graceful but also not graceful. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Great solo. Yeah, the bridge coming up. Goes to the eighth notes on the hi-hat. Little different texture. Yeah, I don't even know what you would call that modula that rhythmic modulation there.
you, uh, we'll we'll touch on this later when we get to the other song. But uh, you ever notice how he will not necessarily adhere to those rules of hi hat in the verses, symbols in the solos and chorus? Yep, absolutely. That is genius. I don't. I wish I had the words to exp- to adequately explain that bridge. Cause one, two, uh, jabaga, da, dun, dun. It's almost like he goes Bo Diddley a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Cause it's like you can change your mind, dun, 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 dun. and then it's like uh, 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 and then the song kicks back in, and that's just like I want to know who brought that up. Mm-hmm. I want to know who said. Let's do this and make it sound different than the rest of the song, you know. And that was that was a song that me and um, Craig Berletic in the Food Stamps and James Barker, we have a trio uh, before we got with Tyler and uh, called Deadbeats and Barkers. And we got our name from this song mm. because the first time Levon comes in, he says, if I were a Barker in a girly show, and we were like, the James's last name is Barker. So we're like, well, let's just be the Barkers. And then it was, well, we're also a bunch of deadbeats. <laughs> <laughs> so we were deadbeats and Barkers. That's yeah, awesome. That's, that song's very special. And it's just, you know, I think it's a true, I think it's a true portrayal of how simple you can play and get your get your groove across. Absolutely. With fills that fall downstairs. <laughs> Have you ever been to the barn? I know we're going to, I think number two, by the way, looking at it, is also Levon, but to segue into number two, have you been to the barn and had yes. that whole experience? I never have. Yeah, oh man, you're going to love it when you get there. I know you'll get there. It's very small. I didn't, uh, I think capacity is like 98 people. Okay. And uh, at least that room. And uh, it was um, it was June or July. Maybe it was beginning of August. Time is aloof. <laughs> yep. But um, I think it was around there. And um, me and Craig Berletic from the Food Stamps, we play in a trio with our good friend Brad Goodall. He's just uh, he's putting out a record uh, here in the next few weeks. But uh, we were playing with this jam band, Eggy. This is the first time me and Craig had played with Brad out of town. We were in Charlottesville, Virginia. He comes up to us and he's like, hey, I wanted to thank you all for being here. You know, and we're all like, cool, this is Eggy, by the way. It's going to be a fun, some fun shows. And we're like, awesome. He goes, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, a show uh, at Levon's. And me and Craig snapped at yeah. each other, like looked. And uh, uh, Brad, it was God bless him. He was just like, uh, yeah, what, uh, what are we talking about? Where's this? And I just yell. I'm like, Woodstock! <laughs> and he was like, well, what is that? You know, and we're like, it's Levon's house. <laughs> I was like, yes, we're doing it. You're going. We're going. We're all going. <laughs> so it was great uh, getting up there, driving around. It looks a lot like here you know i'm from west virginia and it looks a lot like here uh up there in woodstock and it's a beautiful town went to his grave 
and um, we got to play for 45 minutes, played on his drums, the Red Sparkle USA custom that he used to play at the Rambles, the Wood Hoop, Gretsch snare drum. All I did was put up my cymbals, and it was perfect. I didn't move anything. The snare sounded great. The toms were amazing. Um, the whole kit sounded immaculate, and it just changed my life. You know, I think I teared up a couple times, um, just sitting around. Everyone was so gracious there, and just like uh, the sound guy, I can't. God, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Uh, it was it was such like a a, a day of just like overwhelming emotions that you know um, kind of forgot some things. <laughs> uh, but um, Craig had busted a bass string and he was changing it upstairs like you know the barn's kind of down here and there's like a loft space up top and he was up there there was just kind of like a case open uh where you can change a guitar string you know just had pliers and everything and he was there changing his string and you know i'm nosing around just you know touching everything and he was like what's up guys hell yeah and i was like hey man how you doing and um you know, he was like, thank you all so much for being here. And we're like, are you kidding? Thank you for having us. And, uh, you know, I was just touching stuff. And he was like, yeah, that's Danko's upright right there. Oh yeah, feel God. free. He like, touch it. And I'm just like, I'm about to get this thing out. <laughs> and, you know, there was just like drums laying around that were Levon's. And, you know, it was just like you're at someone's house just chilling. Is it true that on, his, on, on the red kit that it's still the same heads from like 2012? Seemed like it. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't super worn or nothing, but they weren't new. <laughs> okay. Hey, y'all. I wanted to... <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three-position strainer, 42-strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time, and then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember... Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at BigFatSnareDrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour, and I didn't keep it, and I regretted it ever since then, just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time, and I just kept thinking about it, and so the opportunity to get it again was presented, and it is one of my favorite drums. So the Ocean Patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum. Check it out. Reach out to me. Go to Vessel Drum Co., the Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. and check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye. 
All right, well, let's just go to number two. Still speaking of Levon. So the album's Rock of Ages, um, the band live in concert, the releaser is 72, the artist still the band, song choices Don't Do It, and the drummer's Levon. Here is Don't Do It. Can you bottle that snare sound? It's proof, too, that you don't have to be wailing to be funky. He's like, I mean, it's still pretty soft. I got to sing this at the barn. Oh, my God. Symbol for the verse. Yeah. Listen to that kick. And he's singing at the same time. no idea this was a cover for the longest time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Trying to think. Oh yeah, it's a Holland, Holland and Dozier song. Eddie Holland wrote it. Marvin Gaye did it. Wow. Well, I'm sure this is still the best version. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if you talked about this, but when did Levon enter your life? When? Who introduced you to him? What was that story? So I picked that record and that song because that was my first introduction to leave on in the band mm. and 2009 uh i'm in college me and craig burletic from the food stamps uh went to college together we both have jazz degrees and i was in the music library working on something i don't even know what i was doing i probably wasn't working <laughs> yeah <laughs> And he comes running in and says, stop what you're doing. And you need to look this up. And we sat there and watched it. Oh, man. I can. St- we watched the video from it. There's a video of it. Because, um, you know, it was at the Academy of Music there in New York. And it was like, oh, man. And just the the sounds incorporated with how he looked and the drums he was playing and the fact he was singing it was just i mean i'm going to say this a lot life changing 
You know, it was perfection. It was everything I wanted to be. It was everything. I was like, oh, this guy is like who I want to be. Like, I just want to be just like him. That breakdown in the bridge, that is some of the funkiest stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of the grooviest stuff. That is groove incarnate. That is what groove sounds like Mm -hmm. in any form or fashion. Then it was just off to the races. We were listening to that record. We were listening to the band. We call it the Brown Album. We were listening to that nonstop. And then it's like, oh, they those are the dudes that did the weight. Oh, you mean that Easy Rider tune? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And then we just, you know, started covering all those songs. Doing the weight. We did Don't Do It. Uh, Walcott, W.S. Walcott's Medicine Show. Uh, we did Get Up Jake. Uh, we did all kinds of them. And did you ever do Life is a Carnival? No. I think that, I think we maybe we tried it once. That song still messes with my head, even though I know where the one is. Because I've yeah. even seen that video. I'm sure you've seen it. Levon breaking it down. All that's, I still get messed up because the way the vocals are on top of it is so counterintuitive to the way I in my head want it to go, which makes it so awesome. But yeah. uh, that song still messes with me. Yeah, they were they were geniuses at making layering simple things on top of each other that like play tricks on you in the mm-hmm. best way. But it's ah, I could talk about this all day. I know, I know. People are probably <laughs> like, "All right, move on. We get it. Yeah. Levon's great. <laughs> Levon's great." But we did get two of them out of the way. So, all right. So, number yeah. three, and I don't feel bad that we're talking about Levon this long. But number three is album or the album's thrust. The release year is nineteen seventy four. The artist is Herbie Hancock. The song choice is Palm Grease. The drummer's Mike Clark, the amazing Mike Clark. So take it away. Do you want to listen to it or do you want to uh, talk about it first and then we can listen to it? Uh, well, we'll, we'll change gears. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit first. Okay. Um, I mean, I can't say enough great things about um, Craig Berletic. And he's, you know, been, you know, one of my best friends for years going back to high school when I tried to copy uh, math off of him and I was in my surf rock Elvis phase and uh, I needed a bass player and I was starting to play guitar in a group. He's, you know, been my my musical compadre ever since and this is this is one we've we bonded over a lot, especially in college and I remember being in college and later on the record i think the last song's called spank a lee and it was a test question in jazz history that mm. you had to the test was you had to listen to all these songs know the album know the year and he he could throw questions like well who played on it where was it recorded you know so you kind of had to be ready with all these like you had sections of decades where it's like all right, well, here's the 15 songs for this test. And I could ask you who plays on all 15, or I couldn't, but you need to be ready. You know, and Sp- I remember Spankily being one of them. And I was kicked in the balls by it. I was just, what on earth is this music? It was so all over the place. And I was like, this is Herbie Hancock? Like... Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock. <laughs> and when we would go to practice, you know, with the trio, me, James, and Craig, 
Craig was like, but have you heard Palm Grease? You know, because this was the Headhunters, right? This mm-hmm. was Mike Clark takes over for, who is it? Oh, my gosh. Um, Harvey Mason? Harvey Mason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost didn't say it. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Harvey Mason. And, you know, the song after that, Actual Proof, is like a funk clinic on drums, right? But this one, this, we still play this song at, like, Tyler sound checks. He'll do the, they'll be like, I, can I get some bass? And he's, <laughs> and Mike Clark's just that displaced yeah like it's like he's doing a shaker pattern or something with his hi-hat you know I wonder if it's one-handed it doesn't sound one-handed to me mm-hmm. I've tried it both ways two hands seems to work best but this this was also like a song one of the first songs I thought that this is the perfect intermingling and marriage of percussion and drums that don't interfere with each other. Nothing's messy and it's perfect. And you hear what they want you to hear, mm-hmm. you know, and whether it's like there's a there's a great go-go bell part when it kind of goes to like that B section breakdown before all the solos start. I assume it's a giant gourd uh, shaker that's going on underneath and he's laying back just really playing the song and Mm -hmm. i was always amazed at how busy yet perfect for the song that that was in a groovy way all right well here we go basically here is here's palm grease can't tell if it's one or two hands either you need to try it it's 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 a pretty easy groove you know you gotta have a steady hand to do that Baseline's so cool. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. 
I'd love to know what he played on this. Alright, so number four is the album's The Royal Scam. The release year is 1976. The artist is Steely Dan. Song choice is Kid Charlemagne. And the drummer is Mr. Bernard Purdy. Pretty Purdy. Perfect sounding hi-hat, too. Oh, my God. I think he plays like 13s or something all the time. Did you realize that you were a champion in their eyes? Let's just play a fill on top of the hook. Let's just do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it like, he barely crashes that uh, to break it up. And it's almost like he keeps going. Yep. I love the snare chatter in between. Yeah. That is just laid right in there. Could you see the day? Could you feel your whole world fall apart and fade away? Get it long. Get it long, keep shining me. Get it long, keep shining me. It's cool. I didn't notice that till right now that in that part he adds the floor ton to that backbeat. Oh. And then now he's back to just the snare. Yeah. I love yeah. doing that. Oh, yeah. I do it all the time. I take this record for granted. There's a lot of songs that I realize, like, I haven't heard these in a while, but this is so Brother, good. Uh, the, first ap- the first time I moved out, I moved in with a friend of mine in a house. It was 08. Nobody was really making any money in 08. <laughs> and so I got an apartment, um, like a garage apartment that needed fixed up. And I had a turntable and three records. It was some like random Nat King Cole record. It was Blackfoot's Striker. I don't know if you've heard that. No. It's got like, uh, are you familiar with Blackfoot, the Southern rock band Blackfoot? Uh, it sounds uh, familiar, but I'll say no. Just uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, long story short, it's Ricky Medlock, who's now in uh, Skinnerd as one of the the guitar players, the real long, white-haired guy. Okay. That's him. But he had a band called that. They had a, I think their hit was like Train Train, big harmonica intro and just loud. But I had that, and then I had the Royal Scam. That was it. So I worked on this apartment like all summer, like painting tearing up carpet, putting in ceiling fans and like kind of getting a kitchen together. Like it needed a lot of work and I got like secondhand cabinets and stuff. So Royal Scam was my favorite and I just kept flipping it. That's all I would do. As soon as it was done, I'd go over, I'd flip it, get back to doing what I was doing, go back over, flip it back to the first, you know? And this was, this was one where I really wanted to know what he was doing on drums 
And I really wanted to embody that soul in my playing with whatever I was doing because it does, it's just, a, it's a mash of parts that are perfect, you know? And especially when it gets into the, the solo and he like really lets loose along with the bass player. The bass player has some of the gnarliest parts in there and the way they're playing together you can tell they both get super excited when it gets to that point and i think this was like steely dan's more guitar solo heavy record you know i I forget where this one's at in the grand scheme of steely dan but you know bernard's bernard's bernard and he's that for a reason and that that is feel good you know that that groove feels really really good amen to that bernard you were talking about kind of the snare stuff i remember seeing videos of him he he does a lot of his like little finger stuff if he's doing mm-hmm. cross stick and stuff he uh he's sneaky he's a sneaky that dude that chatter that chatter he's doing is not easy <laughs> especially filling it in you know, between how um, intentional that hi-hat is, you know, and that's like, I use that beat a lot in like country music, you know, that's kind of like if you accent those off beats like that with like a Waylon beat over a two-step country kind of song, that makes it a super funky jam. You know, and I probably do it way more than anybody wants me to do it, <laughs> but Seek it feels so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just now getting down into a, a hole of Bernard, so I don't have too much to say about him yet. But he's he's my current he's my current favorite right now. <laughs> he's a good favorite. Yeah. All right. So the album for number five is Unshaven, live at Smith's Old Bar. The release here's 1995. The artist is Billy Show Shaver. F- Billy Joe Shaver. Billy Show Shaver. Uh, the song choice. <laughs> That'd be, it's a cool name. <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> Billy Show Shaver. Oh, Billy Show. Billy Show. Um, song choice is Hottest Thing in Town. The drummer is Craig Wright. One thing I can say in continuity with this whole list of things I've chosen is these are records I can listen to all the way through and not skip anything. And we were talking about shaping how I play um, with these choices, and this is one record, the whole thing. Um, This is one that I stole from my dad twice. He had a cassette of it, and I took it, and then he had a CD of it that I played so much you cannot play it anymore i still have it but you it physically won't play anymore and uh my bandmates are probably like oh yeah man he loves this one you know because <laughs> i put it on in the van so much and and then it's just like oh, i might as well keep going because this record's hot this record is the perfect um example of the honky and the tonk being together as one Wow. It it honky, it tonks, it rocks, it's it feels good. Eddie Shaver's guitar playing is something 
of beauty. I, anytime I listen to this record, I hear a lot of Craig Wright in my playing because I listen to this so much. Some of the fills, some of the ways he um, embellishes grooves in that country setting where it is just like, oh, you're groovy, but you could play at a VFW tomorrow. And around here, that was, you know, that was a big, that was a big gig growing up. You know, if you got, if you got a weekly spot at the VFW, the American Legion, that mm-hmm. was, that was the gig, you know? And it's like, it has that, but it is tighter than a rubber band, man. It's, it's, it's a snapshot in time that, that is, I don't think will ever happen again. Wow. Anywhere. <laughs> What a salesman. Jeez, I'm excited oh, for this. Man. <laughs> you got to listen to the whole thing. All right. <laughs> like later, like the okay. whole record. Like when you get on the bus, just put it on. All right. Well, here he goes. Uh, the hottest thing in town. And to reiterate, this is a live record. So, yeah. I like live records. Yeah, there's like a little. <laughs> yeah, this is the first track of the album. Again, yeah, you know this, yeah. of course. I'm telling the people listening. <laughs> like, I know, Ben. I just said I listened to it. <laughs> Millions of times, Ben. Ha- have I've you tried it. the toothpaste thing yet on that CD? You've tried everything? I think I've did it like four times, too. Okay. Yeah. Hey, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. It's a little diddle little 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 Just uh, mics are on. Oh, yeah. We're good to go. This intro's goofy. Listen to it. That guitar tone is so cool. It growls. Yeah. Eddie Shaver was a master, man. That's his son playing guitar, and he is a master. Was. I mean, you're honestly taken aback by the guitar the most most of the time. I'm I wasn't ever really you know, not like no offense, I wasn't like blown away by like Craig Wright's playing or nothing, but it was just like, no, that's if there's a theme here. I like songs, I like drum parts that serve the song. And this this was a great that's what needed to be there at that time in that moment with that rocking band and they were super tight and you know billy joe's legendary you know those are those are all songs that you know especially in the outlaw movement that like a lot of songs that Waylon did you know and a lot of his popular songs like honky tonk heroes and stuff like that you know that those were songs that like started a whole movement and a whole different kind of 
You know, you can put a little rock in your country if you want. And I, 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 that, that record's special to me because of my dad, and I took it from him. We played those songs growing up together. He taught me, on that record, there's a song called I'm Gonna Live Forever. He taught me how to play that song on guitar. And it's very special to me. We played all those songs together. And all I wanted to do was learn all those guitar parts, to be honest. <laughs> I know this is a drum podcast, but... No, that's I great. Mean, uh, I can sing all those guitar licks. <laughs> but that playing is just, you know, I feel like he had a he had a bell on that cymbal that was a dinner plate. You know, that thing was huge. It, it sounds like it was set low. It's the excitement. He has a lot of that excitement, much like the solo section of Kid Charlemagne on the last one. Every time it's that excitement, you can feel, you can hear how tight they are. You can feel and hear how much they love playing and hopefully love, loved playing together at the time. And yeah, man, <laughs> the proof is in the songs. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, if he wasn't such a good drummer, then you would be distracted and wouldn't be able to listen to the guitar and love the guitar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and he said it's, it's, it's a lot like what we have to do with Tyler, where his songs can set by themselves, like without us, a lot of them. And, you know, they're timeless. And it's really just a, something to stay out of the way. That's kind of what... I, how I feel I need to go about with my drum parts and stuff with him and, you know, just to groove and stay out of the way. And this, you know, Craig does a great, Craig Wright does a great job on this record doing that while adding to the excitement, uh, the danceability of everything, the the prowess is there, even though he's not playing a million notes. And like the showy, the showman aspect that you know my uncle ronnie i uh, played in my dad's band and he was the bass player my uncle ronnie he uh you know when you get done with a song and you're like and you end the song he used to call that happy sticks and <laughs> this record was like i always tried to emulate craig wright's happy sticks because mm. i thought he did it the coolest and Plus, we were playing those same songs, so I thought I had to do it that way. <laughs> sure. Well, before I let you go, I do want to um, talk about the the new Tyler record. And so you've been playing with him for a long time. Obviously, you go way back with Tyler. This is the first record he asked you guys to play on the record. So what was the change? I mean, how would that feel when he did ask you to do that, knowing it was going to be a very, a very well-listened-to record? Man, it felt great, you know. At first, I felt a little pressure, but that's just me being an anxious, uh, an anxious Andy about it. Um, but you know, that quickly went away when we did it at the end of twenty, so December twenty, and we hadn't seen each other. We were on the Sturgill tour, a good-looking tour, until March fifteenth, and then you know the pandemic. Everybody went home finally got back together in December, you know, and it was mostly like just like a reunion with masks on and 
um, we played a couple songs, and then he's like, well, I got these. I would love to do this and, like, lay them down. And it was like, oh, hell yeah. You know, like, let's, let's show them what we can do, you know, as a band and stuff. And, you know, there's three installments of the new Tyler record. I was right? going to ask about that, yeah. So the first installment is just us live in the room, vocals solos everything's live the only thing that's overdub is the percussion and the auxiliary parts uh me and you know a few of us uh you know did did some stuff uh after the fact and then the second installment's kind of like all your studio magic and like you know he wanted sitar on some songs and you know we got uh horns arranged and strings arranged and then the third was our good friend, uh, DJ Charlie Brown, superstar. And, you know, we've always talked about doing things, or Tyler always talked about doing things with him. And, you know, we were all always on board with that because he's a good friend of ours. And how can we make that work with, you know, country music? But um, we all like a lot of different music. So it's just going to come through either way. Initially, when he told us about doing the DJ thing, I wanted to stay out of his way on the drums. So if you notice, I don't play too many fills or anything like that because I was like, oh, this is going to get programmed and like chopped up potentially. Because, I mean, we I hadn't seen Brett or anything like that, you know, so I had no idea. And I'm just going through it in my head. And I was like, what could be the best possible grooviest thing I could lay down that he can work with later? You know, and then come to find out, it was like he was going to take it and chop it up and do different things with it. Anyways, it wasn't necessarily like it was. I did. I at first I didn't know it was going to be three different things. You know, so I don't think I would have played it much different if I would have known any better. It was a beautiful experience because we had all we've all grown up together playing. Essentially, like became adults. You know, we were all like 21 to 24 when we met each other and um, like started playing with each other. We've known each other, but it's like when we started like playing each other, playing with each other, we were all, you know, still pretty young and green. And that was a beautiful moment to be able to do that together in our hometown and at James Barker's studio at his house. And not far from all of our houses. It was nice. We can all talk to each other and bounce ideas off of each other. You know, if I wasn't sure about a drum part, I could be like, hey, Craig, I feel like I'm playing too much. What do you think? What does it sound like? What does it feel like to you? And it's like, oh, no, man, it's great. Or I probably wouldn't do that. You know, like whatever, whatever that is, maybe try this. And it's like, cool, let me try that. You know, so it was it was very natural and just like after the initial shock of like, you know, he's already Tyler's already put out these great records already with amazing players, you know, like they did the work for us. You know, a lot of those songs on the on Purgatory, we've played them. They're like that was like the third incarnation of that song that we had been playing for years already and then they come with this version it's like oh i never thought about it that way and you know people would always ask like you know oh how do you feel about not being on the records and it's like i feel great 
because I get to play the shows. I can still get to hang out with my friends. My good friend put out an amazing body of work, you know, with great studio people. And they did the work for me. <laughs> I just copied, you know, we just started playing those songs like they are on the record. And it was great because I didn't think about it that way at first. And I was like, oh, you can do this. And then that just became a part of my toolbox. You know, the way like some of that, some of those songs were done in those grooves. And it was like, no, it's a beautiful thing. And this is another beautiful thing that... You know, after all these years of playing with each other, you know, eight, nine years, yeah, here's what we can do with these songs. You know, the the fact that it was, let's let's get, you know, funky spiritual with it, you know, and it was another, oh, hell yeah, moment, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, let's, let's lay back, let's, you know, I didn't use a metronome, I started, like, there was no click track, it was, it was kind of... I had one with lights on it, and I would we would count them off at certain speeds. Nothing was over 78, I don't think, you know. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to count it off, and then we're just going to see what happens. I would check it every now and again, see if we were running away or anything like that, and just kind of looking at it. But then I would go back to whatever we were doing and how it felt. And then at the end, if it started taking off or something like that, it's like, okay, that's cool. This is an exciting moment. We're just going to let that ride. You know, I'm not, I like using clicks. I like using metronomes. I like practicing with metronomes. Do I think that they're needed all the time? No. I like songs that push and pull. You know, I kind of want the solo to jump up a click or two and like really put it into third gear and take off you know and then when it comes back down we put it in fourth and let it cruise and that was that was pretty much how that how that went and it was you know we worked it up for a couple days and then went in on the third day laid it down went back the next day did the percussion and some overdubs and that was it well it sounds great man and uh he worked with amazing musicians before and this record is also amazing musicians. He has great taste in players, and you're one of them. So oh, thank it's you, man. great. And from what I've heard and seen and read, this album's doing really well. So, um, and oh, you're a great. huge part of that, man. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that so much. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, um, I will let you go, man. I've taken up a lot of your time. I'm Pacific Coast. You are not. And so I will let you go to bed. <laughs> oh, it's all good, buddy. I love sitting here talking like this. All right, man. Well, I will talk to you soon, dude. Uh, be safe. And uh, and yeah, thanks again. You too, man. Take care out there. All right. Cheers, dude. Hey, man. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!